In today's show, we're looking at the Cleveland Cavaliers, their fantasy basketball prospects for the upcoming season. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we're available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the well, Bet Online actually has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before? Bet Online is where the game starts. All right, it's Cleveland time. Look at the Cavs, their fantasy prospects for the upcoming season. We're going to be doing um, locked on fantasy basketball bowl invites as well. If you don't know what it is, welcome. A 360 team league for categories, a 360 team league for points. One final winner. The rules are linked in the um, show description here on YouTube or in the podcast as well. You can check all those out. It's $25 entry into this league. Um, And I will give you information later in the show how to enter it. What you need to do, though, is you need to email lofbbowl at gmail.com. Don't email yet. You need to email that. You need to tell me if you want it in a points or a categories league. So in the title or in the subject of that email, you write Cavs Cats. If you want a category league, you write Cavs Points. If you want a points league, and then in the subject of the email, write whatever story you want, write whatever you want in there. But also, I'll give you a special answer that you have to include to get into this league. We have filled up a, b- a bunch of leagues. I've sent out the invites for Atlanta, Boston, Charlotte, and Brooklyn. Haven't sent out Chicago's ones yet, but those other four have all been sent out. So you've got you know, those invites if you are in those leagues. So let's let's talk Cavs. Yeah, good idea. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's their schedule look like? 53 quality games. That's good. It's above average. So we get a little bit more value in those players playing on the lower volume days. They also have only 12 back-to-backs. That's good news for someone like a Ricky Rubio. It's good news for Kevin Love. You know, not that Love sat bunches of back-to-backs last season, but he could. It's good news for the oft-injured Karis Levert. If he gets hurt at all, you're coming back, fewer back-to-backs to deal with. Otherwise, there's no massive, you know, big-time, top-end guy who's sitting back-to-backs on this squad, but it's always good to know that. Their playoff schedule's rough. Nine games if your playoffs end on March the 19th. It's a 2-4-3 schedule. It's pretty bad. If your playoffs end on March the 26th, it's 10 games. 4-3-3, much better. Solid enough. And if you end April 2nd, it's just a straight 3-3-3, nine games. So overall, if you are someone who is inclined to ding players because of their playoff schedules, the Cavs don't have it looking particularly great. Now, again, nine games over three weeks versus 11 games over three weeks is not a gigantic deal. But those two game weeks, so starting that March 19th end season uh, playoff settings, which is the one I recommend, yeah, two games in the first week is pretty tough. Yeah, that's what I'm normally what I'm looking at. Like, do you have just a bunch of, well, not a bunch, you have two game weeks because they are the ones that really do hurt 
when you're looking at fantasy playoffs. You know, nine games versus 10 games is not that big of a deal. A two-game week versus someone with a four-game week, that can really hurt. And the Cavs do, unfortunately, have a two-game week there in that first week of a three-week playoff, which ends on March the 19th. So what is, what are the pressure points? What are the things that can impact the projections here for the Cavs? I think the number one thing, and I, I don't think that Karis Levert is, and I'll talk about him a bit more later, I don't think he's a particularly influential player for fantasy leagues on his own as a player. But I think his role can influence a lot of things. If they, as I expect, bring him off the bench, then it does help guys like Evan Mobley be able to take a little bit of a step forward. It helps the pairing of Garland and Mitchell to work together. But if they do decide to start Levert, A, their defense is going to be really bad. But if they, well, not really bad, really bad on the perimeter, two really good defensive big men. If they do start Levert, it's just how does the ball handling and shot distribution go? Yep, Garland will get his, Mitchell will get his, but it might be marginally reduced. But the breakout capabilities of an Evan Mobley probably get diminished if Levert is sharing more time with him versus sharing more time with the bench unit. So the impact of Levert starting or not, playing 31 minutes as a starter versus 27 minutes as a bench guy, impacts Levert, but it also indirectly impacts Mobley or Allen um, or Garland or Mitchell. All of those sort of guys can get impacted depending on how they want to use Levert. I think Mobley's evolution is also pretty key too. Because as things stand, you look at their team, and Mitchell and Garland are the clear one and two. And Mobley sits in the distance offensively in terms of shot distribution pecking order. I don't mean in terms of player importance, and Mobley's the most important player on this team, despite having two other All-Stars, three other All-Stars, in Garland, Mitchell, and Allen. But yeah, as it stands, Mobley is third in line for shots, ahead of Allen, ahead of Isaac Okoro in that starting group. Should be ahead of Levert, but who knows what Levert thinks about that. Um, but what if he just becomes unbelievable? What if he becomes a knockdown shooter and starts shooting them from deep like Carl Anthony Towns? What if he becomes a guy whose passing evolves, and I think he's got this capability at some point, to become a guy that you just give the ball to like a Nikola Jokic style or Minnesota Kevin Love style where you give him the ball and he orchestrates a lot of stuff. What if that happens? Well, then Garland and Mitchell, they lose tons of value. Mobley obviously gains, and it just rearranges the balance of power in the in the Cavs' offensive hierarchy. I don't think it happens, but he's really good. Maybe it does. It's a little bit why I'm skeptical about some of Mobley's value this season is I don't see that leap coming, and where is he fitting in offensively? And then the backcourt pecking order. Is it Garland? Is it Mobley? Is it your turn, my turn? Who's running the pick and rolls? Garland was great last season. Down the stretch, playing 38 minutes a night with 10 assists with Rubio out and him doing everything. He won't have that same opportunity. But does he maintain number one status? Does Mitchell number one? I think he is. I think Mitchell's the number one usage guy. But I don't know that. And we often see these players joining new teams in big roles. There's always a weird period where either him or the guy on the team takes a hit and an adjustment. We saw Levine take that hit last season for the Bulls. We see it often, players joining new teams where there's weird dynamics that need to shake out. And not saying it's a weird fit or anything like that, but it's just, it's a new player. And it's trying to figure out how it all goes together, who takes the shots, who runs this, who does that, and how the numbers follow along. We'll talk more about Garland and Don Mitchell 
later on in the show. But week two for football is here. And BetOnline remains the number one spot for all your pro and college football needs this season. Week three for college football is on at the moment. As I'm recording this and all of those football developments, game matchups, news and podcasts, you can find them all over at betonline.net. It's your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. <clears throat> if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, there's six and a half point favorites in the NFL in week two against the Jets. Is that enough? Should they be favored by more? Can Jacoby Brissett get it done? I don't know. But if you want to find out, BetOnline will tell you all about it. And it's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online is where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen. Now go and listen to Locked On NBA. Make it your second listen for the NBA Top 50. Which NBA player moves the betting line the most this season? Locked On and the Bet Online odds makers present the NBA Top 50 Most Valuable Players. Find it on Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts and on the old YouTube. Breakout candidates. Again, it's a hard term to define. My current definition, what I'm going with, is just players that we see in a different light. We talk about more. We talk about in a different sphere of players. And I think Mobley's that guy, someone that could get there. I'm not convinced. I thought he was really good. You know I thought he was rookie of the year. You know I thought he should have been in the all-defensive team discussion, if not in the team. Thought he was unbelievable as a rookie. But could he take his game to the next level? Could he become the offensive guy that there's potential for him to become down the line? Or does he stagnate in that end and maybe not show those statistical improvements necessarily? I think he's a real big-time breakout guy. And the guy they need to break out to become a serviceable NBA player is Isaac Okoro, who I do believe will start. I don't think he's going to be... Now, don't get me wrong. This is not me saying Isaac Okoro is a draftable fantasy player because he isn't. Um, But I think he's a guy that we could see improve, get a large... Look, before this Mitchell trade, I don't even know where Okoro was going to fit on this team. Was he even going to play 20 minutes a night? Now, he's going to have to play more minutes. He's going to have to get a big role with Market and gone. He's going to have to defend really strongly. And there is an opportunity. It's unlikely. There is an opportunity for him to start to put together some big numbers. In terms of Mobley, again, I know I'll talk about him a little bit later on. We've got a bit more about him to talk about um, when we get to another segment. But they are two guys who I think have at least that ability to have us talk about them in a different sphere of players. Mobley in the oh, legit all-star category and Isaac Okoro in the, oh, it wasn't a waste to pick him number five. I've been saying he was the fourth pick. He wasn't. He was the fifth pick, apparently, in the draft. Now, did I get that wrong? I'm sure he was the fifth pick now. I tried my best to remember that. He was, yeah, the fifth pick in 2020. Yeah, can he start to justify that return on investment for the Cavs? Because he hasn't so far. He's been a good defender, but a good defender with a shithouse offensive game does not equal a number five overall pick. Well, that's not what you hope a number five overall pick gives you. Fantasy sleepers. Again, Okoro, he's ranked 307th on Yahoo. Um, look, that's just really not right. I know that doesn't, that doesn't really help you, me saying it's not right, because you know I'm not drafting him in 12-team leagues or 14-team leagues or 16-team leagues. But 307 would tell me that he's like a 30-team league player. And last season, he was 252nd. I look for a little bit of incremental improvement. I think he should definitely be better than he was last year versus 50 spots worse. ESPN's got him at 209. That's probably fair enough. He's probably a 20-team league player, 
maybe an 18-team league player. But 307, it's, it's too low for a guy that was significantly better than that last year, despite being bad. And now, you know, maybe we take a step forward. I think in a points league, Evan Mobley is a little underrated on ESPN. He's ranked 64th on ESPN in a points league. Last season, Mobley was 57th, playing 34 minutes a night. That's another reason about Mobley. He played tons of minutes as a rookie. Not much scope to improve from there. But he averaged 34 fantasy points. I do expect some improvement, 36, 37. And that takes him to be a top 50 player pretty easily, I think. Yet the ESPN ADP at 64 is just too low. That makes him a really good option. Fifth round. Yeah, that's you're getting some value. Like no reason he couldn't push to a top 40 points league player. ESPN's got him at 64. On the bus side, might as well talk about now. I've got Mobley on there as well. Because on Yahoo is at 41. Last season he was 78th. On a per-game basis, yes, there's a punt free-throw element to his game. And I think punt free-throw, he can be around the 50 to 55 mark this year, around that area. But at 41, it's that concern that I have. What does he take up? What goes up? An extra minute? Sure. Does he score a little bit more? Maybe. But the addition of Mitchell makes that harder. Now, I guess we could look at it and say, well, Mitchell's coming in. Markkinen's going out. But the other starters, they were running out there. Lamar Stevens, Levert at times. Um, Dean Wade was starting. It wasn't like they were running these gigantic usage guys that they've lost. Like Sexton didn't play. So I'm not sure how much scope there is. Does he block more shots? I don't know. His block rate went up almost 50% in the minutes that he played without Jared Allen versus when he played with Jared Allen. And that boosted his numbers because Allen missed the last two months or so of the season. So Mobley was able to elevate his block number down the stretch. So if Allen is healthy and Mobley is playing out on the perimeter more at the four, does his block rate improve? Seems unlikely. I guess we're hoping on a bigger, uh, a big spike in his free throw percentage, but he wasn't a good free throw shooter in college. He wasn't last season. Maybe he just isn't. That's not unheard of to see guys go from 70 to 84. That happens often. You don't want to bank on it. You don't want to project it. It's impossible to do. You're just throwing a dart out there and saying, oh, well, I guess this guy is going to become the outlier shooting improver when you've got no um, basis for that. So I think drafting him at 41, and I've seen him go at 24, 25, and that's crazy to me. I like the guy. I think he's unbelievably good. Everyone knows my opinion on Evan Mobley, but to distance or to contrast my opinion of him as a player and a future star versus where the fantasy value comes, like what is he going to bring different? A little bit more usage, maybe, but maybe not. A little bit more efficiency, probably, from the field and from the line, maybe. More volume threes, more assists, more blocks. Not sure. I'm definitely not sure that it justifies him as a second-round player, which I have seen. Don Mitchell is going too high. Now, some of this stuff is based on ranks that were put out before the trade, because, again, it's been three weeks. Why would you bother updating ranks? Not like anything big happened. You wouldn't bother with it, would you? If you're serious about fantasy basketball, you, you wouldn't. You just leave stuff sit there for weeks. You wouldn't bother to adjust them when things happen. Well, who, who would do that? Anyway, Yahoo's got... Well, his ADP on Yahoo is 22 because his rank is 20. So hasn't actually changed that much because ADPs are heavily influenced by rank. 
there will be leagues where people know what they're doing and they will not draft him there. But that's all about knowing what your league does. To me, Donovan Mitchell, yes, he was the 22nd ranked player last season. That was on the back of a gigantic rise in steals. I don't think we can A, count on the steals being that high again, or the usage remaining as high as it was. So, and the assist rate even, to be honest, next to Garland. Does he maintain that? To me, uh, Mitchell, whose ADP is 22 on Yahoo, 28 on Fantrax, an insane, legitimately insane 15 on ESPN with a rank of 13. That, that doesn't make any sense. Mitchell was 24th in points leagues last year as well, by the way. Um, he's a third round, probably fourth round player. If he's going at 20, 22, 15, that just means the better players get pushed down the board. Don't you take him there, please. It's not worth it. What's the point? You take him at 15 or 22, you're expecting him to be better or the same as last year. I don't think that's realistic. It's pretty crazy to me. And then Karis Levert, they've got him at ADP of 97 on ESPN. Again, they haven't updated their ranks since Larry Johnson was in the league. But why was he even initially ranked? I think he's ranked 75th and his ADP is at 95. It's too high for any format, really. Levert was 84th in points leagues last season. So, some of that was without Gar- uh, without Sexton. All of it was without Sexton, without Rubio he came across. Um, Jared Allen got hurt. And then it pushed him into a starting lineup. And he played 31 minutes. And I don't think he does that this season. In a category league, Levert was 129th in 31 minutes. I am not sure that he's even a must-draft player. Like, does he have to go off the board in every 12-team league? You take flyers when you get into the hundreds for sure. But at 97, it just seems crazy. Now, on Yahoo, it's ADP's 125. Fantrax is 120. Makes a little bit more sense. I'm not certain, again, that he's a top 150 player. <clears throat> and then Darius Garland, for points leagues, is ranked too high. His ADP is 26. He's still ranked 19th on Yahoo. Again, crazy, because they haven't adjusted it. He should be more back-end second, probably more early to mid-third round. But in a points league, so I don't... Garland 26 on Yahoo, 28 on Fantrax. I don't mind it, right? If you want to take him there in a category league, it's okay. It's not what I would do, but if you want to prioritize getting um, assists, it's fine. But in a points league, Garland was 33rd last season, averaging 39 points. So yeah, this is a fourth-round player edging towards fifth round, I think, in points. He was great last season. Great. Played like 37 minutes a night. Usage up, out of the ass. Assists sky high. And I don't think all of those things continue, let alone improve, which is what a lot of these numbers are suggesting might happen. So that is a real risk to me of, yeah, again, he's ranked 19th. Take him a second round, you burn your draft. Um, 26 or 28 in a category league is all right. It's not what I would do. It's uh, I would in some situations. It's okay, but in a points league, it's just it's just ridiculous. And now the answer to the question for what do what's the answer that you're going to put in to enter the locked on fantasy basketball bowl? It's about Darius Garland. Over the final 23 games of last season, Darius Garland averaged 38 minutes. That is what you're telling me. Darius Garland averaged 38 minutes over the final 23 games of last season. That's the last two months. He averaged 
38 minutes. He averaged 25 and nine and nine and a half in that time, but 38 minutes on a usage of 30. Remember that. That is what you put in the subject. No, sorry, in the body of the email that you send me to get into either a category league for the Cavs or a points league in the Cavs division. Upside flyer picks. This is where I usually look and say, yeah, who do I want to take in the last round to see who's got upside there? And there's not really that many guys. Maybe it's Rubio. If you're at the end of a draft, it's slim pickings, man, for assists. Like there's no one there. And Rubio will miss the beginning of the season. He will probably not be back until January. So if you want to take him with your last pick, stash him in your IR, and then he comes back, he might give you five assists and 1.4 steals. It'll be rough in terms of games played, minutes played. But he's the only one I could really look at. Like, I don't want to take a Coro in the last round. I would say Levert, but he's going much earlier than that. Um, I don't think Kevin Love is even worth the upside risk of doing that. Or the upside, I don't think there's upside value enough to take him in the last round. And Love, maybe you could consider it. He's going 137 and 144 on Yahoo and Fantrax. He's at 134 on ESPN. So he's close to last round value. But overall, nobody really stands out. So let's look at how the roster shakes out for this Cavs team. We talked Garland, we talked Mitchell. They're both currently being overvalued. They're both, to me, third to fourth round players now versus second round players. Okoro is not really someone who I think is going to touch it. Maybe he becomes a Herb Jones and gets tons of steals. That's really his only path to relevancy. Maybe he's a guy you take with your last round and hope that his defensive ability translates into good um, steal and block numbers. He's not that level of defender though, but that's your hope. There's Mobley, and there's Jarrett Allen, who put together an all-star campaign. A real surprise he was last year. Um, he only played 32 minutes a night, so I guess there's scope for that to go up. He had that broken hand, which hurt him. He was 38th in um, category leagues last season. He was 48th in points leagues. His ADP is right around the 50 mark. It's 47, 55, and 50 across the three main sites. When you're looking for rebounds and blocks, they are hard categories to find. And he provides them. So if you wanted to reach into the third round of a category league, because you need those big man stats, Allen can be can be that guy. Yeah, he, he can be. I'm not saying he will be, but he can be a third round player because of scarcity of stats and depending on what your team needs. Really good field goal guy, good block guy, good rebound guy. Although he didn't average that many blocks last season. But he's, he's a, he is a good option in that, in that um, area. He's only 24 as well, but much like talking about how does Evan Mobley improve, there's no real scope for increased usage for Allen. You can say he gets better lobs and, oh, well, that's fine. But is there going to be more volume of them? Is the change in his field goal percentage, which is already sky high, like how much higher does that get? Is it worth going much higher for him? I don't know. Third or fourth round for Jarrett Allen probably fits. Levert, we spoke about at length. I'm not sure he gets to 30 minutes a night. In fact, I don't think he will especially when Rubio is back. And you can talk about, oh, Levert's going to have run to the second unit. Kevin Love is also on that second unit and a guy that's going to have a lot of usage too. So Levert doesn't get to run everything. And then Rubio is back and Rubio has the ball in the second unit. So I don't really like Levert this season. Love was solid enough, surprised last season for sure. In fact, Sheev, what do you think? A surprise to be sure, but a welcome one. 116th ranked player in category leagues, 23 minutes a night for Kev. 115th in points leagues. Feels like maybe that's almost best case for him. And I don't think that he necessarily gets back there. 
Dean Wade had some... Well, Rubio, Rubio was great. Top 90 player last year. He was healthy and Sexton was out. And now there's Levert, there's Mitchell, and he's not healthy. So like I said before, like maybe you grab him last pick and stash him because his assists are valuable, but he's not getting anywhere back near, near back to where he was last season. He just There's just no real scope for it outside of the unpredictability of like Mitchell or Garland both go down for a long period of time and he has to step in. Even then, he'll be so limited with his minutes um, when he returns that it's just it's not going to happen. Dean Wade will get some backup three minutes. He'll get some backup four minutes. He was still 358th in, in uh, 19 minutes a game last season. He's not really a fantasy option. And then the rest of their roster, Hal Neto will be a deeper league option early on while Rubio is out as the backup point guard. Windler maybe gets some minutes. He's allegedly a shooter, but we haven't seen it. Robin Lopez replaces Ed Davis as the third string center. I think that's an upgrade, but that's just one to watch if Mobley and Allen are out and Lopez can come in. Lopez at times has had fantasy value, but it needs a lot of things to happen. A lot of things to go wrong for the Cavs for it to go right for Lopez. Then you've got Isaiah Mobley and RJ Nemhard as the two-way guys. Mobley, pretty good passer as a big man. Obviously, he's Evan's brother. He probably deserves more than being known as Evan's brother. He's a solid enough player, but there just isn't really a strong role for him on this team. So that will do it for me with the Cavs. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you're here on YouTube, thumb it up. Leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.